You are listening to Hank's Infinite Playlist. Good evening, folks, and welcome back to Hank's Infinite Playlist. It's been a minute, but we have returned to deliver on your podcast needs. I am your host, Justin Birnbaum, and joining me today is my partner in crime, Hank Coffee Cakes Tucker. I'll explain that one later. We're here to discuss 1993's A Bronx Tale and crown a winner for our Wise Guys category. Before we get started here, let's have a quick recap of the rules. This episode concludes a four-pack of thematically similar movies that I've dubbed Wise Guys. If you haven't figured it out already, that's code for Mafia Movies. At the end of each episode, Hank will assign the highly coveted Hank score, and in the true spirit of collaboration, I have absolutely no idea how this will work, and it's up to Hank if he wants to let us in on his rationale. Today might be your lucky day, because it's a special episode, as I mentioned, and we will crown a winner at the end, and Hank might just tell us how he got there. So without further ado, let's dive into pre-Hank. Okay, so we're sitting down to watch Bronx Tale right now, the final movie of the Wise Guys category, and Hank is going to dish on what he thinks it is about. So here you go. Well, I think it's a story about some people in the Bronx of New York. I think that's probably a pretty safe bet. Uh, they, I, they, I, they're Yankees fans. They go to some Yankees games. They're, uh, they have a little deli from the Bronx that they run their mafia stuff out of. And um, one young guy kind of rises up the ranks and tries to challenge um, some of the, the, the big, uh, some of the made guys to Don of the, of the family. And, um, but some resistance, but you know, we'll see what happens to him. I am not going to comment on what you just said, but, uh, we'll see how it turns out for you. So we have watched the Bronx tale and we're ready to dive in, uh, full confession. It's been quite some time since we watched it, uh, but you probably already knew that because of how delayed this podcast was. So for those who haven't seen A Bronx Tale in quite some time, and I guess that even applies to us at this point, here's a plot summary courtesy of Google. As he grows into a teenager on the streets of the Bronx in the socially turbulent 1960s, Collegero gets taken under the wing of neighborhood mobster Sonny. Sonny initiates the boy into the ways of gangland life in direct conflict with his straight-arrow bus driver father. But when Collegero falls for his African-American classmate, Jane, the repercussions threaten the entire neighborhood. Some key numbers on this. The movie was released on September 29, 1993, and made $17.3 million against a $10 million budget per Wikipedia. All right. Post-Hank, give us your thoughts on the movie, my friend. Yeah, this is a good movie. Uh, definitely kind of uplifting at times, uh, more so than others in this category. You know, the one that makes you think maybe the mafia is kind of good, you know, other than the killing and stuff. Um, you know, yes, Sonny does kill a guy early in the movie, but for the most part, he comes across as a good guy who just has a tendency to engage in some vigilante justice every now and then. Uh, he really cares about Collagero. In many ways, he's a better father figure than C's actual father. Can we just call him C the rest of the podcast? I am okay but with that. Let's just do that. Uh, I'll have more to say on that later on the podcast, but I'll keep going with more brownie points in Sonny's Corner. Uh, he's not racist, at least not that we see. Uh, he doesn't really care about Mickey Mantle. Uh, I support any dismissiveness towards the Yankees, though he does kind of uh, ruin C's dreams of like seeing these baseball players as heroes, which 
is is too bad. But I like his superstitions, uh, Sonny's superstitions. I mean, the scene where three guys get sent to the bathroom, I think it's the funniest scene in the movie while they're uh, playing their uh, the quarters game. It's been a few weeks since we, we, we I watched believe it was it. Dice. Dice, Dice, yeah. yeah. Uh, the quarters was from the last dance, you know. Yeah, the, yeah. The, anyway. Um, <laughs> so shout out to Sonny, shout out to C. You know, I enjoyed the movie. Uh, wonderful review there. You always handle things so eloquently. I took a lot of notes during this movie as part of my bonus thoughts and observations segment. So um, I'm just going to run through them. Feel free to chime in as we go through them. I'm going to put this right in between us. By the way, everyone, we totally bought microphones, and that was our big announcement for the podcast. But they were kind of cheap and on sale, and it turns out they don't work very great. So we're back to the uh, phone approach. So, okay, now that I digress, here we go. Uh, Did guys really get together and just sing doo-wop on the corners of streets? Probably yes. I, I you know, I, I've, I think it's. Uh, what else are you gonna do with no iPhones back then? Okay, fair point. Did you know that this is actually written by uh, by Sonny? By Sonny. I, yeah. I saw that on my Wikipedia research as well. Yeah, yeah. He actually does a one man show of it. I'm pretty sure, which he performs on Staten Island sometimes. And what's interesting is, I'm not sure if you saw this too. It's directed by De Niro. I did not see that. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe I didn't. I don't remember it since it's, it was a couple weeks ago. <laughs> uh, Stickball. I played a little as a kid. Um, or as a early teenager, my dad grew up on it. Did you play stickball, or is that not a North Carolina thing? I don't think it was. Uh, I guess that was just a, a New York, Staten Island, Bronx kind of activity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like you said, we watched this a few weeks ago, so who the hell knows what I'm talking about here, but I jotted down the senior smug smile after losing those kids. I can't help you with that one. I, yeah. I don't know. The see, I... <laughs> I don't know, uh, you know, but you just got to go with what's written on the page. Uh, as you mentioned, Collegero, we're just going to call him C. What a, what a tough name for, uh, for this podcast. We're going to stumble right over that one. It's a good nickname. You know, what's actually interesting is the name's not hard. They just say it 15 different ways in the movie. Yeah. Some people say Collegero, some people say Collegero or, or whatever. They say it a lot of different ways, so I actually didn't know how it was spelled until I looked it up. Yeah, me neither, and I... I don't like the name. I'm sorry to whatever the, the where it comes from. To Lorenzo and Nello's father. Yeah. yeah, it's just go with Steve. All right, so you heard it here first. Hank hates the name. Okay, uh, Eddie Mush. I believe this is where I learned that term, which is widely, uh, widely, you know, like the the Mush is a widely used term for anyone who bets or gambles. Yeah. Yeah, I I did not know where that came. I didn't pick it up. I, I don't know if it came from this, but I'm pretty sure this is how I established that term in my life. Um, the mob nicknames in this movie. Do you have a favorite? Um, I mean, coffee cakes is pretty good. As as you should. You should I mean, I was gonna save this for later, but should I explain now you, why your nickname you, coffee you, cakes? You can go ahead. And, you can go ahead and do that. Okay, so Hank went on a mini <laughs> vacation a couple days ago, or it was maybe like a week ago, and had some sort of unexpected allergic reaction. To the shampoo at wherever he was staying. That's what I suspect. And that's what he suspects. We don't actually know. And he has a giant spot on his face and a bunch on his neck as well. So he is Hank Coffee Cakes until his body heals. Um, he had five fingers but used only three. As that's just, you know, I'm making the gesture <laughs> yeah. right now. I just love that. Uh, best surprise ticket moment of your life? I'm obviously referencing when the dad pulls out two tickets to Yankee Stadium behind the mick. Yeah, um, 
I mean, 2010 Final Four was pretty cool. That was a surprise, though. Uh, by the time we made the Elite Eight, when Duke made the Elite Eight, it's like, all right, if we win, we'll go. But, like, I didn't know that was going to be a thing, like, the whole season. Fair point, fair point. Um, I'd have to think back of, to it, because I don't, I don't know if... Um, my dad used to always get tickets very much in advance, so, like, we would know we were going. But one time I used to work at uh, the Jewish Community Center in uh, high school, and my boss once pulled out two Nick tickets and said, here, go to the Nick game. And I was pretty ecstatic. Um, I will never forget that. The hardest part was being like 15 years old in the middle of Staten Island and no such thing as Uber and finding someone to take you to the game. But luckily one of my brothers, my older brother's friends stepped up and did. That's uh, pretty cool. See, yeah. I've really only been to Duke games. It's never really a surprise for me to go to a Duke game. Yeah. But. Um, my dad would, would very easily procure Mets and Jets tickets over my life weeks in advance. And we had fun at every game, but I would not classify them as surprises. Uh, moving on. Uh, saddest thing in life is wasted talent. Great quote. Um, they're listening to a baseball game on the radio in the bus. And I don't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure it suggested that it's a World Series game or something like that. And I've always wondered, uh, they're in the middle of the summer, it looks like. So it can't be the World Series. So I wonder if that's a flub or like, did I just mishear the broadcast or, you know... Yeah, I didn't take as deep time notes as you did, so I, yeah. I, I, I cannot recall. Yeah. Um, will Mickey Mantle play, pay your rent? Uh, no, he won't. <laughs> no, he won't. Uh, put him in the bathroom. Used to say that a lot as a kid during their dice game. Uh, the working man is a sucker. I disagree because me and Hank are working men. So We work hard. We work hard. Uh, two educations, one in the street, one in the school. Actually, really, really good for C if he listened, but it seemed like he's only interested in being a mobster more than actually using education to as a pathway to a better life. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good... I, and, and, you know, I think he, he was going that way whether he became friends with Sonny or not. I mean, yeah. he, he, was, yeah. he wanted to be a mobster. Fair point. Uh, the Mario test versus Sonny's test. Thoughts? Um, neither of them make... That, well, well, Mario's test makes sense. It's a little crude. Uh, <laughs> more than a little. Um, Sonny's test doesn't make much sense to me. And maybe I'm just not like a gentleman picking a girl up in, at their front door in my car. Well, the problem is, is it's dated. Yeah. You know, it, it's just so, like when, do we know when they invented like automatic locks on cars? I, I, you know. You know, we have a 1992 and a 1997 kid here. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're, uh, we're about to, you know, age one year older for both of, of us. Of course. But. You heard it here first. The, uh, the, the equilibrium birthday for the two of us. But still, that was a little before our time. Yeah. Um, I get it's a period piece, if I'm even using the term correctly, but there's a lot of racism in this movie. So I don't, like, obviously I didn't warn you about that, so sorry. I, I honestly, you know, a large chunk of the movie is more about mob life than systemic racism. So, like, I think, you know, that was kind of what resonated. But yeah. A lot of, lot of racism in this movie. Yes. Officially on the record here saying that the, the, the Infinite Playlist does not condone racism. Yes, the racism in this movie is bad. Um, uh, $20 loan. I don't know what I was going for there, but 
You know, I don't remember what that would be referring to. It's the the guy, the kid he you know lent the twenty dollars to, and the, oh yeah, yeah. I, and I just don't know what I said about it. And so. like it cost twenty dollars to get him out of your life, basically. So you know, yeah. good, good advice. Yeah, good advice. Um, I love the line. There's only three things you can do in prison, and he names three things, and he's like, "What did you do?" And he's like, "I read," and it was none of the three <laughs> things he named. So uh, interesting there. Uh, is it better to be loved or feared? <laughs> Line of the movie, that delivery, see. Well done. Um, Nikki Zero is played by Dominic Lombardozzi, which I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, but I don't don't know, like, how familiar you are with him, but he pops up in, like, every Italian and mob role. He was in Power, he was in Entourage, he shows up in a bunch of mob movies, uh, you know, he's a that guy. And what's interesting is, I guess he went bald very quickly, but in this movie, he's a full head of hair. So, um, I also, with a, a, what looked like a hair piece, I saw him pop up in, uh, Tulsa King, which is Sylvester Stallone's new show, um, which is another mob show. Um, C has, um, that line about, like, I thought her name would be an exotic name, and one of the examples he says is Danielle. So, is Danielle, in reference to Jane, is Danielle an exotic name? Maybe 30 years ago. I mean, I know a 30, couple, this is like 50 years 50, ago. I mean, when 60. was the movie made? The, oh, I mean, well, it was made 30 set, years ago, it's but it's set 60 yeah, yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, C is a really weird runner. If you, if you noticed how he was running. Yeah, I, I don't, I didn't notice, like, something that I would remember a month later. Sure. But a month? It wasn't a month. <laughs> okay, it's two or three weeks. Okay. Uh, you only get three, women are like, like great fighters, you only see three in your life if you're lucky. Um... I don't know about that one. <laughs> Interesting comparison, Sonny. Um, I like to think that I've seen more than three great fighters in my life. You know? Yeah. Jake Paul, Logan Paul. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the soundtrack to this film is fire. I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't know. I wrote W. Riz. Which I know what this it means you know like it's a it's a slang thing where you're like oh look at that guy's game but I don't know what I'm referencing like C definitely didn't have great game here no we didn't but you know we're just showing how um, we're young and up cool, in the times yeah and we know the TikTokers say W Riz I'm totally not in my thirties <laughs> um, okay uh, this might be harsh but most of the acting in this movie is garbage <laughs> <laughs> well that was a uh, uh, a, a bold thing you know I, do you disagree not so so you know Sonny gave him a break that the the writer wanted to be in the movie and they're like okay you can do this he, Sonny's he, no 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 Sonny's great he's, he's Sonny and De Niro are great De Niro, it's De like Niro's very they, good uh, maybe like Catherine Narducci as well who plays his mom but, yeah um, everyone else who even plays C there's two actors and I'm pretty sure both of them got into like a lot of trouble in their in their they're in their, like, 40s now. I think one was a... Uh, I think the younger one got arrested for bank robbing, and the older one got in, into, like, drugs or something. I mean, while you're talking, I'll do a quick Wikipedia search. What am I supposed to talk about while you're looking it up? Uh, uh, wait, wait, so the C- older one was arrested in 2005 in the Bronx for the murder of police officer. This guy's got a tough name for me, so I'm going to avoid that. Um, <laughs> then he had more stuff. He was released on parole in 2013. I don't know, whatever Wikipedia... Because uh, it's accurate. And then the younger one, I don't know, maybe the younger one actually. I'm apo- I apologize. The younger one, I don't think, did. Yeah, didn't kill anybody? Didn't get arrested or whatever. I believe it was just the older one. Um, or maybe he did. Let me, hold on. Let's we'll do a quick. 
Yeah, if we're going through Jane's acting, I think could use some more. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. See okay. his little entourage of people. His buddies aren't really good actors either. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think just the older C actor was the one who got in trouble with the law. Uh. So. Whatever. Um. <laughs> I wrote. What was his mile pace on the way home at the end of the movie? We just ran a couple miles today for our listeners. Yeah, it's pretty good. Rub it in. Uh, I like how he goes to Sonny at the end and says, Hey, Sonny, how you doing? As he's dead. Not so good, huh? Um, <laughs> good line. Uh, and I totally forgot about the Joe Pesci cameo until we saw it. I will have a word about that later. Um, nice to see him, but also, yeah, I'm going to save that for later. Uh, closing thoughts? Uh, no, we've been going for 15 minutes, and I think we, we will go ahead and get, get to the segments. All right, let's take a water break. All right, Hank, let's dive into the segments here. Uh, I'm going to start with most uncomfortable moment. So uh, we have plenty to choose from in this movie because as we talked about before, there's an incredible amount of racism. Uh, so I picked the assault on Jane's, brothers and, Jane's brother and friends because that just seemed so uncalled for in so many different ways uh, and ultimately created one of the driving conflicts that uh, followed through the movie. But yeah... Uh, Totally unnecessary, sees friends. Yeah, this is going to be a rare time that we picked the same one, and I don't know how much there is to say about this, but they, they, you know, don't beat people up because, you know, you're racist. That's, that's yeah, wise words, Hank, wise word. Uh, secret villains, I put villains, which I'm giving away, I'm going to go with sees friends, because <laughs> they, they may love him, but they're extremely racist, they get him into trouble, and they virtually almost get him killed. Yep, yep, they, they, they did do that. I'm going to go with C's dad, Lorenzo. The secret... Vi- wow, okay. Um, because he tries to keep him away from Sonny, and I understand his intentions in doing that. Okay. But uh, I think Sonny actually helps... I mean, uh, I don't think... I, I'm pretty confident Sonny helps C a lot more than he hurts him. And just... Lorenzo... You know, see, as I mentioned earlier, he, he wanted to be a mobster anyway. He, he wanted to be with his friends and, and, and get into trouble and be the cool guy. And, and Sonny's the one that's actually looking out for him on the street and, and pulls him out of the car and, and does the things that a father figure should do while C's dad just goes and, try, and returns the money that, that C earned. Uh, maybe got lucky, but he earned that money, uh, you know, hanging out with Sonny and... and and Lorenzo goes and you know returns it and gets all mad at him for um, being mentored by this guy because he he doesn't like him and he has his reasons for not liking him of course. Well, may I interject? Yes. So I think you're right in that you watch the movie and you see the way Sonny actually treats C is a net positive because he's kind of encouraging him to use the lessons of his life to live a better life, but Lorenzo Robert De Niro C's dad makes a really good point in the very beginning of the movie when he's confronting Sonny for the first time where it's like, it's not about what you tell him, it's about what he sees. And kids are just impressionable. And at the end of the day, if he sees this mobster living this this glamorous, glorious life where people respect him, he's going to on some unconscious level desire that as well, which is kind of, you know, it seems like from the outset of the movie, he's, he's drawn to Sonny. I mean, he watched him literally kill a guy and he's still drawn to him. So 
Yeah, I mean, Sonny, in truth, you, you can tell Sonny loved the kid, you know, and he had his best interests in heart. Um, but at the end of the day, like, you know, actions are, are louder than intentions, right? Yes, but, you know, Steve's dad, give him a chance. His actions are... I mean, you just put it this way, you know, like, he's trying to protect his son. And, um, you know, whether, whether, whether Sonny likes him or not, he does understand that, that Sonny represents an element that he doesn't want in his son's life. So I see what you're saying, because, like, at the end of the day, you know, like, like his relationship with Sonny actually benefits him a lot, but it's also, like... It also doesn't feel great when you're like in I'm here I am de- de- defending Lorenzo Nello, but uh, it doesn't feel great when you know you feel replaced. You know, like there's the tickets thing with the boxing match, and you know he's telling the father is a really big Yankees fan, and that's one of the things he shares with his son. And Sonny, you know, is telling him like the Yankees don't matter. So, you know, yeah, ruining the baseball fanhood. You know that that's that's points against Sonny. That yeah, that, that was a deep cut. Yeah, but. Uh, Lorenzo, he also doesn't approve of his relationship, you know, the, of, of, you know, him hypothetically, in theory, um, his friend seeing someone uh, of another race. Um, that, and, that is true, that, that Sonny is more accepting of um, the interracial relationship than, than, his, than uh, C's dad. Though I guess, like, in theory, like, C's dad, you know, I guess they paint that maybe... He would... I, a lot of gray area. I think there's both, like, good traits and bad traits to them as father figures. But yeah. I, I like your choice. And he does show up to the funeral at the end and, and, and kind of comes around and appreciates uh, what, what Sonny did for him. But throughout the movie, he's kind of, you know, just uh, working against Sonny, who I think is one of the, you know, heroes of the movie. And obviously, just in the... Uh, this movie's going to paint the mob in, in, a, in a good light uh, in general. But Lorenzo is kind of the opposite of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Secret Hero. I wrote down Nikki Zero. And if you remember, Nikki Zero is in that one scene trying to sell the guns to the kids. And I wrote him down for one reason and one alone. It has nothing to do with Nikki Zero. I think that there are important moments in this movie that, and this is to your point uh, about Sonny, that actively illustrate that regardless of the element he represents, how Sonny is a net positive and sees life and trying to steer him away, <clears throat> and excuse me, I need another water break already. <clears throat> but the moment where they're trying to buy the guns and sees there with the friends, the idiot friends, the idiot racist friends, um, you know, and they're all ready to, to buy guns and start carrying guns and whatnot. And Sonny shows up and he's like, get the hell out of here. Like, what are you doing with this? Like, you better not sell these kids guns or whatever. And, you know, like, I, I think if you're going to talk about Sonny from all shades, you know, one of the things he did was, you know, he protected the neighborhood. That was, that was his responsibility. And, you know, this was his way of protecting the neighborhood and keeping C out of trouble. And I think that um, Nikki Zero, his whole purpose in this movie, he exists to represent one of these moments. And uh, I think these moments show up throughout the movie and they're important. And, uh, yeah. That's a good choice. Uh, I'm going to choose Jane's brother uh, for ending up, uh, you know, forgiving C behind the scenes and, and letting Jane go see him. You know, if, if this kid, even if he didn't actively participate in the assault, he, he hangs around people. His buddies are, are part of a, a group that committed a, a racist assault against yeah. him and his friends. 
And I would, I still wouldn't like that guy, even if he didn't actually, you know, throw any of the punches. Yeah. Uh, so the, I think it's a, a pretty admirable uh, show of, you know, forgiveness and acceptance on his part that that he, you know, tells Jane that in the end that you know sees okay. He I guess he's a good guy and that um, you know they can see each other. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Uh, kill a character. I picked Carmine for one reason, one reason only. You can't tease me with a Joe Pesci cameo like that in a mob movie. All right? You're talking about the guy here. All right? We love Joe Pesci. We want to see more of Joe Pesci. Okay? And you get 30 seconds of him at the end. So, um, I don't know. I was really short on this category. and That was the best I could do. So, yeah, please forgive know, it's me. It's a good effort. Good, good job. Probably better than I'm going to do. I wrote down C's buddy Slick. Um, Most of I didn't like him. Uh, and, you know, I think you could, you could pick out anybody, any individual in, in C's entourage of people that, that didn't need to be there and, um, and be fine. Uh, you know, they're all, number one, several of them die anyway in the, in the car. They all die. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's honestly why I stayed away from them. Because the movie, the movie takes care of itself. <laughs> that that, that they they get, you know, their fate. Uh, they get what they deserve anyway. In some ways, nobody deserves to die. I think. Of course. But yeah, uh, anti death penalty in my. You know, <laughs> I don't speak for anybody else. That, that's my personal opinion. Uh, but yeah, the C's friends are kind of assholes. Yeah. Okay. I I I'm okay with the death of these fictional characters, yes. but not of any real people. Well said, Hank. Uh, all right. This week, we don't have to rely on our friend of the pod, Chad GPT, because we have a real-life human guest segment. Um, Chris Andrews, friend of the pod, gave us a question very long ago that has been sitting in my phone. We have not listened to it. Let's see if he can uh, outdo Chat GPT. So we're going to take a quick break, listen to it. This is going to be the first time we listen to this, and then we'll come back and answer it. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for having me back on the pod. Um, uh, before I even hit you guys with my question, I just want to thank you both, uh, for your shout out about my work on the, on the dirigible wars. Uh, I've had a lot of naysayers over the years, a lot of, uh, people pointing and laughing. Uh, all I say to those people is who's laughing now, uh, but on to a Bronx tale, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, this question is in honor of one of my favorite characters in the movie, Eddie, the mush. Um, I wanted to know. What I know you guys are big uh, sports gamblers. I am as well. I really enjoy it. My question in honor of Eddie the Mush is what is the most brutal gambling loss that you guys have ever taken in your career? Uh, mine would have to be taking a parlay with a buddy of mine uh, on a UFC fight. It was actually UFC 239. And uh, the very first fight, you know, I turned to my buddy and I was like, look, if we're going to lose this parlay, Let's just lose it on this first fight right now. And sure enough, uh, we bet on Ben Askren, who got knocked out in a UFC record uh, five seconds. And talk about brutal. Um, but thanks again for having me on, guys. Love what you guys are doing, and take care. Chris, thank you so much. I am, I am disappointed to hear that people are still doubting your work on the dirigible wars. It's just going to take another 100 years to convince them. Not the point. Uh, great question. And my answer to you is, what's my worst loss? Well, which one? Okay? Because there are so many. Uh, I, what comes to mind immediately is one that suffered recently where I was at the Knicks-Kings game and I took a parlay. And the last leg of it was Jalen Brunson 
scoring more than 18 and a half points and with 18 points and I believe it was the full fourth quarter to go, he sprained his ankle and left the game. Uh, things like that have happened to me many, many times. Uh, I have lost on last plays of the game. I've won on last plays of the game. You know, Hank can tell you firsthand here on how I won a, a weekly pick league tiebreaker because the Eagles tried to do the lateral play and ended up fumbling the ball into the end zone and I won. Uh, so there's been, been a lot of highs and lows here. Um, that, that Jalen Brunson one stands out because it's, it's still burning me. Um, uh, I mean, there's so many, you know, like, I, you know, there are games where I believe there was one where I, I had some sort of spread with, I believe, the 76ers a few years ago and Ersan Hiliasova hit a garbage three to end the game and his name just burns in my mind forever because he, he blew it up for me. But yeah. Hank, can you recall a terrible loss recently? Yeah, um... I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a, a a bet that I knew was a bad bet, uh, and it was the the uh, national championship game, college football playoff national championship game. Uh, uh, you know I have family connections to TCU. I was hoping TCU would beat Georgia. They were a heavy underdog as they should have been. Uh, I, I kind of knew that they weren't gonna win the game, but you gotta take the homer pick anyway. So I took TCU, then. The spread just got you know, uh, kind of outrageous, like over twenty points. So it's like okay, well we'll that we'll 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 pick them to cover that, and then it got even bigger, and I think we doubled down again. You're failing to explicitly mention that you recruited me to do all of this with you. And yes, you 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 <laughs> bravely uh, took took the heat on this one as well, and uh, you know TC ended up losing by uh, fifty eight points, <laughs> and we lost our money. Yeah. Um, but it's been a good year. I will say it's been a good year. Yeah, I've had more wins than losses. Yeah, both of us are up this year. Yeah, Chris, I could really, if you want, like, I mean, we're recording this on my phone, so I can't really go back into the archives and uh, look at some of the tougher ones. But man, that Jalen Brunson one is still burning me to be for sure. Um, so, yeah. All right. <clears throat> um, we're gonna take a quick break, and then Hank's gonna come back with the Hank score and the final showdown here. Okay, Hank, we've done everything we've needed to do, so the uh, floor is yours for the Hank score. Yeah, I'm going to give this movie a, a B plus. I think it's a good movie. I think, uh, I, I think I gave Donnie Brasco a B plus also, and uh, I'm going to give this one a slightly lower B plus than Donnie Brasco. Donnie Brasco makes the top two of the category. Oh, uh, you're going, going right into the, the uh, finals. If you remember, this makes the top three of the category, only excluding the, the movie that many think is the greatest movie of all time, that neither of us really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. Shout out Brent Knight and Matt Craig for letting us know about how horrible our opinions are. So with that being said, let's just go right into the final showdown. Uh, I have no vote in this whatsoever, but I did, I did wager a prediction here of the order. From four to one, I wrote Godfather 2, Donnie Brasco, Bronx Tale, and Goodfellas. I think it's pretty obvious as how this is going to shake out. Do you want to walk us through? Yeah, well, I see. I I would put uh, Bronx Tale. I I put Donnie Brasco as slight number two. I like Bronx Tale too. Uh, I, I I liked both those movies a lot. Uh, these have been this whole category, you know, other than the Godfather, uh, <laughs> the Godfather two, the Godfather Part two, Godfather Part one. Excellent movie. Excellent. Sensational. Movie. Terrific. Of course. Good adjectives. Godfather <laughs> Part two. Long. Boring. <laughs> Disjointed. Uh, we've already we already talked about that for thirty minutes. You can go back and listen. 
But, um, no, fun movies to watch. Uh, you know, full transparency, not as fun as to talk about. Uh, we, but, you know, we've gotten through it. I think we've, we've put together some good episodes of the podcast. Yeah, some lessons learned here about uh, keeping the uh, content light. <laughs> That's for sure. So, uh, but I'm going to put, yeah, uh, Bronx Tale number three, a strong number three. Donnie Brasco number two and Goodfellas uh, was just a, an excellent movie, you know, just uh, very memorable, you know, very uh, you know, pop culture relevant. There's all sorts of memes, just just good plot, good characters. Um, that's that's number one, and that that may be like a top ten movie um, of all time for me. I was about to say a top ten movie of all time. Yet, what movies have you seen? You know, like. <laughs> Well, you gotta have you know Bull Durham, Shawshank Redemption, um, Good Will Hunting, Anchorman. Okay, uh, you said it. All right. Okay, so you have it: Godfather two at four, Bronx Tale at three, Donnie Brasco at two, and Goodfellas at one. And uh, lessons learned about uh, podcasts about murder. <laughs> Thank you all for listening and bearing with us through our inevitable delays. Big thanks to Hank. Big thanks to Spotify for Podcasters, formerly Anchor. Big thanks to our listeners. We love you all. We will return soon with an exciting new category. I'd hate to spoil it, but here's a hint. Let's get tropical. I'll see you soon.